I repeat, Mayday, Mayday. Wolfhound to trap one. This is the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Keith. This week it's time to upgrade the podcast for the look at Big Finish's excellent new unit box set, Cyber Reality. So good we've done it twice. Yes, yes. We, uh, this is our <laughs> second attempt at this one, uh, it, having not recorded the first one. But we didn't get to the end, which was good. We had a cyber attack again. Yes. <laughs> it was deleted. It was. <laughs> yes, it definitely was. Yeah. So the last time we saw each other was at the brilliant Warp Convention in Manchester, um, early in September. We did, and what a brilliant convention it was. I had such a good time there. It was fantastic, wasn't it? Really well put together. Three doctors in attendance. There was, plus plethora of companions and loads of other people. So many people, in fact, you couldn't actually get to see anybody. No. Any criticism at all, which is a tiny one, there was just so much to do there, you literally couldn't do it all. But uh, no, I had a really good time. Met lots of people on Twitter I've never met before, which was a surreal experience, putting yeah. like... Like seeing faces that you've only seen in photographs moving, which was a yeah. strange experience, but no, it was an excellent day, yes. Yeah, it was great, yeah, just recognising people from, from profile pictures. A great venue as well, I've never quite been to a convention like that before, when it was um, it was set in sort of a city series of pubs, wasn't it? Yeah. In the downstairs bars, and it was, it was really good and really atmospheric. Yeah, this is the, the print works in Manchester, so they, they had sort of Tiger Tiger and the Lizard Lounge, um, and uh, yeah, we'd taken over the basements of the mall, so that's where all the... All the panels were held. Um, but as you say, there was three panels running simultaneously all day long, uh, so you couldn't actually kind of you couldn't have seen e- everything. But uh, we saw all three doctors on stage. Did, yes, and uh, we saw um, there was a companion review from the um, publicising new ladies companion book, which was excellent. Yeah, the time ladies and Kate Crystal Manning was Lady. there in wonderfully bonkers form as usual. She yeah. was good fun. Uh, Highlight for me was when Tom uh, Colin Bake was being. Uh, interviewed by himself, and then Nicola Bright just came on at the yeah. end, which was lovely. It was like Christmas for me. That was that was long yeah, time. yeah, great to see them together, wasn't <laughs> it? Um, and and different different stories. I think uh, you heard Colin Baker talking about growing up in Manchester, his early career before he went into acting. How he didn't actually recognise much of Manchester anymore, despite having lived there for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he'd driven in, and and yeah, didn't uh, didn't kind of marry up to his uh, his memories of it in the sixties at all. One rather sad thing, he was talking about his poor dog being poorly, then a couple of days later on Twitter he announced he did actually die, so it was, uh, yeah. that was, uh, um, he was quite upset about that, he's uh, one of those people who loves his animals, doesn't he? So. Yeah, that's it, yeah, he's got loads of cats and dogs, hasn't yeah. he, I think. Uh, yeah, he, he describes himself as amateur zookeeper, doesn't he, on his yeah. Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, brilliant, they, and they've already announced in November there's going to be Day of the First Doctor, there is. also in Manchester, a different venue, I think. Um, and there'll be a warp two, uh, probably same time next year. I think it's some early bird tickets. There is, early. but they haven't announced any guest or even a venue yet, have they? So, um, I think they've announced Waris Hussein and Peter. Is that not Burbis. for the first doctor? Oh yeah, sorry, you're Possibly, right. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Let's cut that out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we know who's coming to that one yet. Well, uh, to be fair, they've not had long since. <laughs> no, it's, uh, that is the last one. I think they've earned a sleep between. Yeah, us. <laughs> that's it. They can uh, they can have a bit of a rest. But yeah. yeah, definitely looking forward to to next year. No, it was excellent. I really enjoyed myself. So, Cyber Reality is the latest big finish box set featuring units. We've got Kate Stewart and Osgood from the TV show, uh, and the, the sort of cast of characters that have been introduced over the past sorry, about half a dozen. Is it? Is this? I think it's the sixth one. Yeah, it's the yeah. sixth one now. Yeah. Uh, so this one they, they face off against the Cybermen 
which is classic, really, because the unit sort of like came together with the Cybermen, didn't it? So it's sort of like uh, yeah, with the invasion, ongoing tradition for them. Uh, and yeah, and I guess we're talking about Kate Stewart and Osgood. We see them in the Dark Water, Death in Heaven, two-parter, don't we? Is um, uh, featuring the Cybermen, battling the Cybermen alongside the Twelfth Doctor in that one as well. But this is so. definitely set before that in the way I look at it anyway. Yeah, I, I think, think all these boxes are set before those stories, aren't they? I get the impression they're all set before The Power of Three, or at least before Day of the Doctor anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Osgood definitely hasn't met the Doctor. Which is quite nice, because in these box sets she's, meet, she's met... Um, sort of Joe Grant, Sergeant Benton, Mike Yates. She's sort of uh, met the Silurians and the Sea Devils. And she's fangirly researched all the doctors as well, doesn't she? So she dresses yeah, like them as so regular. she's she's kind of meeting all these staples of Doctor Who, and then in, in Day of the Doctor, we know that she finally gets to meet the Doctor himself. Um, but yeah, so this one meets the Cybermen and the Master, which we will get to. So the first episode is Game Theory, written by Matt Fitton, uh, and this picks up where the the previous box set Encounters, uh, which had the character of Sam Bishop was missing, wasn't he? He was, yes, they weren't quite sure where, and it sort of, um, the auctioneers were sort of like first mooted as well, as, um, as a, a threat or an interest anyway. Yeah, these are quite an interesting outfit, aren't they? They're, um, not aliens for once, but a terrestrial sort of... Um, bit like an anti-unit aren't they well, a bit like rogue nation the, yet another group of people collecting alien artifacts there must be such a scramble for anything alien yeah. that arrives <laughs> we've got now got the torchwood the forge we've got unit and uh, yeah. various millionaires collecting all these stuff over here so. c19 is c19 it, yes so. uh so yeah these are in it for the profit though aren't they? yeah they, these are bad guys they want to exploit it so they've got their, their hands on some alien vr headsets they have very topical and Sam Bishop was trying to infiltrate them, but he's gone missing. And he so during the first episode, he's interspersed between him. He's he wakes up on a ship in the Bermuda Triangle with a apparently a wealthy heiress who's been kidnapped. Yeah, they're both hostages, aren't they? Or so they think. Yeah, and the um, he kind of makes his way through the ship, and he's sort of taking out guards and and trying to figure out where they are. Meanwhile, Kate and Osgood are being set a different set of challenges, aren't they? So they're, they're trying to find him. and uh, So in a way, the whole story just being set challenges and how they deal with the, um, them, aren't they? So Yeah, it's a bit like sort of um, Die Hard with a Vengeance <laughs> or, or uh, the first Saw film or something. One of Saw films, isn't it, where the, you've got an unseen person who is, uh, is setting the hero's challenges and, and tasks. I confess to never seeing any of those. They look a bit grim for me. Even though I do like my horror, I'm not into... Uh, they would look a bit too scary. So, I've only yes. seen the first two. They look a bit too grim for me. Yeah, <laughs> the first one I think is is quite a clever film with a great twist. The second one didn't enjoy as much, and I, I haven't seen any since then. No, I always like my horror to be a bit, bit more fantastic. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's plausible, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if it's just a guy that's torturing people. Yeah. So yeah, so it. They they kind of um, they they quite open about it. So the auctioneers unit have interfered with their plans once too often. So to get their own back, they're, they're sort of dangling the, the carrot of rescuing uh, Sam. In order to teach them a lesson, basically, isn't it? Yeah, so they uh, they have to do a mission with these VR headsets that they found um, and disarm a bomb which apparently has got an alien sort of metal-eating virus in it. A metal-eating virus, you say? Yeah. I wonder why that That's could possibly be useful in future stories. 
It's, uh, yeah, kind of an intelligent rust. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice idea, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, they, they find that, and that's kind of uh, that's kind of tucked away for later. <laughs> Although uh, heavily signposted, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a good fun episode, isn't it? You get to have um, Kate and Osgood sort of like bantering, which is always nice. Yeah, I like having them kind of out on the road together. How quickly did you guess that Sam was in a virtual environment? I think there's a point where he goes into a room sort of unexpectedly, like they don't expect him to go in there and the picture isn't quite right and it's glitching. Uh, and I thought, oh, that, that's, a, that's a clue. It's in a kind of a, a Matrix-style kind of environment. And did you trust that lady she was with? Or did you think she was a wrong from the start? No, she was asking... I kind of thought she was a wrong from the start. <laughs> she was asking too many questions, wasn't yeah. she? Uh, I think they kind of don't have, like... You wouldn't put that kind of damsel in distress in these days either. Mm. It's a bit of a throwback, isn't it? But I think that was the point. It was meant to be like a, a, a game that was sort of a bit, uh, a bit fake and false, wasn't it? So it was uh, using the tropes. Yeah, that's it. So, I have to yeah. say I enjoyed listening to this one more the second time because the first time... I listened to it, I was just going, where's the Cyberman, where's the Cyberman, yeah. where's the Cyberman, where's the Cyberman, I want Cyberman, I've been promised Cyberman, but uh, yeah, the, the second vo- time when I knew when they'd arrived. It, it the, was, the Vox uh, promises Cyberman, yeah, isn't I it? was much more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you say, the, um, the, especially in the first episode, because you've got Kate and Osgood together, uh, and they're both supremely competent and intelligent, uh, but you've got the differences where Osgood just kind of gets too excited and runs away with herself, and she needs... Kate to um, to keep her focused and keep her on task and everything. She's enjoying the intellectual side of the challenges and sometimes forgetting the more human side. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's, it nicely juxtaposes with the last two stories in the box set as well when they're kind of at odds with each other. Uh, so they they realise basically they're driving all over the country trying to set these tasks, and then they realise that one of the obscure clues that the the auctioneer lady has left them. Uh, is that they don't actually need to go anywhere. They just needed to put the VR headsets on and they can complete all the tasks uh, in virtual reality. Yeah, it was a nice sense of irony at that moment, wasn't it? It was like we basically wasted our time. Yeah. It was a bit of a uh, daring thing for the writer to do as well. Yeah. <laughs> basically, I've wasted your time. But <laughs> yeah. uh, so we've got that and they get Sam back. Okay. But he's a bit kind of delirious and out it's of spaced it. out, isn't yeah. he? And... He's not really believing what is reality anymore, has he? He's realised everything has been false around him, so he's not quite sure what to believe anymore, is he? Yeah, it's a, that thing you often get in, in science fiction stories, isn't it, when someone's been in a virtual reality world, is are they really out of the the virtual reality world when they come out? So there's things like Inception, isn't it, when the, um, the spinner's going at the end and you don't um, quite see what the resolution hundreds is. Hundreds of paranoid people on YouTube trying to prove there's a glitch in the Matrix. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> When you think, actually, and, it's probably rain. Try <laughs> um, the Time Lord, of course, when the uh, the Valyard is the gatekeeper at the end. So has the Doctor been in the Matrix since then? Well, Colin Baker would like to claim that he is, and so he can say he's yeah. been the only Doctor yeah. now. From <laughs> <head> <laughs> and all these others are imposters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then they, they decide they, they need to test this uh, these, these VR helmets which, uh, which are alien. Back at the lab, so to speak. Yeah. So they take them back to Unit HQ, and in the second episode, Telepresence by Guy Adams, Osgood, Colonel Shindy, and Carter mm-hmm. put them on and find themselves transported to another planet. A very unpleasant one. 
But it was a good, clever way to get them off Earth, really, because unit stories, by their very nature, have got to be very Earth-bound, haven't they? So this was quite a clever way just to put them in different um, different planet environment, just for a change. Yeah, and it's good to see their, their kind of reactions to that, especially sort of Osgood, because she's the one with the kind of the least training and everything, isn't she, that she's... Um, She's not as equipped for that kind of thing, but because it's VR and she's the technology expert, she goes along as well. Um, and it works great on audio as well because they are the ones on this uh, this other planet, or their VR avatars are on this other planet they're controlling, so they have to report back to Kate Stewart everything they can see. Which so, gets over that uh, audio problem of like having to describe things that, that they could actually see in real yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> so it works, it works slightly better, I think. Oh. Yeah. Anything like that where they can have something within the story that explains why people are stating the obvious or pointing things out works really well. Yeah, it's a very hot planet, isn't it? But they can actually feel the heat, so they're realising that the body's sort of like, uh, what they see actually makes it uh, real for them, which yeah. sort of like ups the threat level as well, doesn't and it? And they have a physical presence, they can they can pick stones up and throw them and that kind of thing. Which is handy. Yeah, and it's another bit that's quite like the Matrix, I thought. There's this idea that, um, it, as in the film The Matrix, not the... Uh, not the Gallifreyan repository of all knowledge, I mean. Uh, in the Matrix, if they think they can do something, if they believe that they can do something, then they can do it. And it works the same with these VR avatars on this planet. If they think they can run really fast, they, these avatars can run really fast. They can jump a long way. They can see in the dark and so on. Which is one of the points of the uh, selling points of the game that the um, uh, auctioneers try to sell, because while they're doing it, the auctioneers are selling these sets all around the world, aren't they? Yeah, uh, so they, they find this, uh, it's basically a bit of a wasteland to begin with, but there's some ruined buildings. They're attacked by some mutant dogs. They've got kind of two heads and that kind of thing. Um, worms. Yeah, and then a giant worm, which is it's sort of attached to the ground on one end, and the other end can't quite reach them, but it reaches the dogs. And was it meant to be similar to Earth or not? I can't remember. Was it like a... An alternative city. It was. London. It was. It yeah. was London in an alternative universe. As they realise when I think they find um, they find some kind of landmark like Trafalgar Square or Piccadilly Circus, something like that. They go into the underground and it's it's recognisably the London Underground, but with slightly different names, isn't it? So there is. It's a it's a parallel Earth, which has been. It's it's using the idea of the um, the, the parallel evolution to Cybermen later, isn't it? It's um, yeah. it's fallen quite handling that trope from the last Doctor Who story, isn't it? So uh, yeah, this um, I think it's been a bit of a game changer, that hasn't it? Where the um, it's certainly explained their different motivations and the different appearances and stuff over the years. It's been quite a clever idea. Yeah, yeah, great sort of Stephen Moffat innovation that all the Cybermen that we've seen aren't necessarily related. They they could have all. So if they've got different vulnerabilities and stuff, that explains that. Different appearances explain that. Yeah, they, they could have started on loads the of different behaviours explained, and, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, also quite so a depressing thought. It means no matter what you do, ultimately, your society will end up as Cybermen. So. Yeah. <laughs> so not a cheerful thought. Well, I suppose the 80s Cybermen in Earthshock, they have records of all the previous Doctors, don't they, when they, they recognise the TARDIS and uh, one of them shows a few clips of all the previous doctors they probably just bought the videos yeah <laughs> um, but I guess if, if they meet another cyber race it makes sense for them to share information and uh, whatnot, share technology that terrible moment you're realising you're wearing the same clothes yeah. at the past yes. <laughs> but I said I'd come as this um, actually speaking of all different cybermen should just take a slight diversion to say we've been listening to Hour of the Cybermen by Andrew Smith <laughs> we have yes <laughs> which is, I thought was excellent uh, so this is a, 
a main range release from Big Finish with uh, Colin Baker, the Sixth Doctor. It was very prescient being uh, uh, released when we were just having that the biggest drought the country had had for many a year as well. Which yeah. That's when I was walking through the streets listening to that, I was thinking, yeah. oh, that's got a bit more realism than I was expecting. <laughs> Less so today, <laughs> yeah. as the weather definitely you know, rains against the windows. Um, but nicely, because that's got unit, what it's got in common with this box set, it's unit and it's the Cybermen, isn't it? So it these is. are the, this is a sort of interim unit, so it's after the the classic unit family that we know from the Third Doctor era. Characters from a previous story, not, some of whom don't survive, spoilers, yeah. and some of whom have different motivations, spoilers. So, so that was uh, an interesting set. There's another one to come, I believe, whether, I doubt the Cybermen being that as well, they probably created their own villain, but... Yeah, one of the characters in that has a great deal of um, empathy with the Cybermen, hasn't he? Which is yeah. another interesting uh, uh, development with a character. But the, I guess, well, it's, it's brilliant. But the main selling point potentially is David Banks is back as the Cyber Leader, saying "excellent" as yeah. often as possible. I was wait, I was waiting for him to say "excellent" as well. <laughs> yeah, we held it off just long enough, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Chap something Hardy plays the cyber lieutenant as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I can't quite remember his name. Yeah, but yeah, the cyber lieutenant's back. So it's the same kind of crew as Earthshock and the Five Doctors, isn't it? And uh, Attack of the Cybermen. So, and arguably the best cyber design they ever had. I'm a yeah. big fan of that eighties um, style. They've, I always thought uh, all the little tubes and cables and everything was absolutely marvelous. Yeah, it's the first one I saw with Silver Nemesis. So it's the kind of my sort of default. Sadly, uh, not my first. I can actually remember Revenge of the Cybermen, but uh, I generally thought they were blue because the uh, monitor screens shine blue on their yeah. silver bodies. So, uh, <laughs> and I used to draw them as a child. They were Cybermen were blue in my head. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely. If you haven't heard our Cybermen, very, very evocative. Absolutely brilliant. Very nostalgic. Yes. So yeah. Was, uh, really enjoyed that. One. Uh, and a great story as well. Uh, yeah, it made me wonder if there's yeah maybe any plans. Uh, should any of those eighties unit crew survive the third part of that term, that kind of loose trilogy of main range stories, whether they could come into the modern day unit ones at some point, mm -hmm. meet up with um, Kate and Osgood and so on. We'd even have uh, very elderly countermeasures people coming in since they've stopped that round, so it'll be yeah, just to keep the actors employed. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Mind you, I think if they get too many characters, it's going to get a bit tricky, isn't it? But yeah, are the countermeasures team going to be part of this um, big finish? Is it the twentieth anniversary? Uh, I believe release? so. Yeah, I think if I remember, I think it's even going to be the conclusion for the countermeasures story because right. they've definitely said in a podcast they're not going to um, do any more because the sales haven't been quite as they'd anticipated. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a good way to um, to possibly end it. Mm. It's a shame. It's been quite a good little. Um, um, series that has, but uh, perhaps hasn't quite yeah. got the uh, staying power as a Jago and Lightfoot, maybe. But yeah. Also, I mean, I suppose if they keep going through because the, they're currently sort of in the seventies now, and whatever the unit dating is, ultimately they're going to catch up with the unit and therefore will be defunct, aren't they? Yeah, so, they'll be stepping each other's toes. It's a bit they? strange why the two exist and why would you need to set up unit if you already had countermeasures? So. Yeah. True. Yeah, maybe some kind of handover episode would have been. Uh, I get that's difficult to do, though, with the... Um, no Nicholas Courtney, I suppose. No Nicholas Courtney, yeah. So... Uh, the cyber brig back to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not. <laughs> uh, so, in, in Telepresence, we've... Uh, once the unit people are on the other planet, they find that they, they can't really be unplugged. 
the, the sort of technology's fighting back when Kate tries to unplug them and they get into trouble. Meanwhile, the dogs that have been chasing them get grabbed by the worm and turn into cyber dogs. <laughs> Not a sentence you get to say every day. No, so they, 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 that makes them a bit harder to deal with. So they escape into the underground where they find... Batteries. Batteries, yeah, which is the other Matrix. Oh, this Matrix steel, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> homage. Yeah, uh, is, <laughs> yeah homage, yeah. Is um, using human... Homaging a building society yeah. with a Sean off Sherm shotgun, that kind yeah. of homage. <laughs> <is it>? Right. <laughs> Uh, so and 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 this these this version of Cybermen have, have arisen in in this universe. They they've laid waste to this earth, put all the humans in in uh, in these kind of batteries, uh, and then the energy sent like Wi-Fi, uh, and the the handles that these Cybermen have, the power inductor things, aren't they? Yeah, that's how they uh, that's how they receive their energy. Which uh, I thought was all all quite well worked out. So the raise and debtor of these sidemen seems to be rather than just converting everybody, is actually to use people as uh, as power, isn't it? So yeah, they'll um, they they do a bit of everything, don't they? Bit of bit of conversion. As we learn, I think in the next story, the Cybermen in this universe have been fantastically successful compared to the, uh, the ones <laughs> in the usual Doctor Who universe. Yeah, these are the good ones. <laughs> I think they said they've already converted. Uh, I can't remember forty odd percent. Of the whole universe. And they can sort of anticipate when they've actually taken over the entire universe. That's why they're looking at other universes now to, uh, to continue yeah. to spread. They say it's only going to take another sort of 7,800 years to finish converting this universe. And Osgood says, that's quite a long time. And, he, and really deadpan, the cyber leader goes, the universe is a big place. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's nice. Yeah. It was, Nicholas uh, Briggs doing the voices again, isn't he? Which is, uh... Yeah, so in the, in the making of, he talks about how he's... He's done it as a mixture of the 80s Cybermen, so the ones we discussed in Hour of the Cybermen, the modern Cybermen, but with a slight drawl like the original Tenth Planet ones, uh, which uh, I think works very well. He was saying if it had been completely emotionless, it would just be impossible to listen to, wouldn't it? So. Yeah. it's uh, For the yeah, sake of drama, you've got to be... Uh, yeah, but these Cybermen might have a bit of emotion. Yeah, they know. Yeah, because they, they deny it, don't they, I think, when, um, when Osgood um, accuses them of being emotional. But then, when she's sort of winding up the cyber leader, he grabs her by the arm, <laughs> which uh, which isn't isn't that unemotional. There's a lovely um, uh, Doctor Who book. I think it's with uh, the uh, Colin Baker Doctor, and it's set on this cyber invaded planet, and it's the um, the Revenge of the Cybermen style um, Cybermen, and it just mentions that uh, the cyber leaders are programmed to put their hands on their hips to look impressive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to intimidate the locals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like John Pertwee um, at the at the Vought convention and the uh, the the companions panel. Oh yeah. Katie Manning was talking about how uh, John Pertwee would sort of dominate a scene by by putting his hands on his hips as well. Once earlier, she was tempted to put her head to the crook of his yeah. arm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it was Stephen Thorne, wasn't it, who played Azal in Omega? Yeah. Talking about how John Pertwee could get very annoyed if he thought that somebody was blocking the camera's view of him. Because he couldn't actually see where he was going, and sometimes sort of got in the way of it, didn't he? Yeah. yeah so he was, uh, but he said in, on the three doctors, Patrick Troughton took him to one side and said, "They're not here to see us; they're here to see the monsters." Or people don't tune in to see us; they tune in to see the monsters. <laughs> he was quite downcast about this, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he kept his voice amazingly as well, hadn't he? He did a beautiful Omega impersonation at the end. Stephen Thorne, yeah. Because yeah. I remember thinking when he was just talking on the panel, he doesn't sound anything like Azal or Omega. And then the, the, the lady that was running the panel got him, she just said, say the line. And he, she was in Hollyoaks, you know. She only mentioned it 1,500 times. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't I don't watch Hollyoaks. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's a less inclined to do not to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said he does the line about uh, a hero. I've been a god. I should have been a god. He, and he delivered it beautifully, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah broke the house now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a party piece. Mm. Definitely. Anyway, back aside. So, um, they eventually, when they when they escape out of the virtual reality... They're being used as a bridgehead, basically, aren't they? They're yeah, just there's a... Being used to invade our reality. They've been, not physically inverted, but sort of... Um, I suppose mentally converted or sort of like cyberspatially converted, haven't they? They're not actually um, being clamped into metal suits, but they're sort of like mentally they've become Cybermen or yeah. being controlled by them. I imagine them a bit like Nightmare in Silver when the Eleventh Doctor has that. Um, he's sort of partially converted, isn't he? And he's got that just that oh, right, yeah. little bit of circuitry on his face. I just sort of imagined um, sort of like every so often just sort of like see the ghost of a cyber shape over them as they were. Yeah. And other things you won't be able to do on a TV budget. Yeah. <laughs> One so, good thing about audio, you can the effects are very impressive. Osgood and Shindy have been turned like this, but it doesn't work with Sam, does it? Um, not Sam. Josh. Josh, because he's um, part Auton, hasn't he? Because he's got an Auton skeleton. So yeah, why a plastic skeleton would stop you doing that, I'm not quite sure, but we'll go with it. Yeah, yeah they don't really explain it, but they theorise, don't they, that maybe it's because I uh, didn't quite recognise him as human because of his uh, his... And he managed to resist the uh, nesting um, consciousness in the first place as well, so maybe he's just very good at resisting this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so we, we go into the third story is Code Silver. It is. Which is excellent title. Also by Guy Adams. And this, uh, well, the telepresence and this one, they're set aboard the... Um, They've gone to a fort, haven't they? Because they were so worried about Cybermen taking over the planet. They've isolated themselves on this cyber fort. Yeah, which is where it was the... the uh, what's the word? I'm sea Devils. Uh, yeah, the sort of oil yeah. rig, isn't it? The, uh, the, the sea base where the oil rig... Uh, where, the, where the Sea Devils were first met. Um, which is quite exciting for Osgood. <laughs> when uh, when <laughs> Kate to, tells her. To fan again, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a great way for, for fans as well, without them having to describe it, you immediately can picture it because you've seen the Sea Devil so many times, so it's nice. Uh, Hopefully, they've nice moved the dead workman by now. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. smelly otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but interesting as well that Unit took that over uh, as, a, as another base. Mm. So it kind of fills in a few of the gaps. Meanwhile, Osgood is basically now working for the Cybermen, much to uh, Kate's uh, horror. Yeah, it's it's great that because you you got the stuff about how incredibly clever she is anyway, as and demonstrated in the first episode, which is a nice bit of writing as well. Yeah, so. and because I fairly recently read the day the Doctor novelization as well, she did a podcast on a few weeks ago, uh, and it really more so than you get in Day of the Doctor kind of goes into how incredibly she clever she is, uh, and she's Unit's number one tactical asset. In the absence of the doctor, as we're learning that. Did she have a like anticipated entire conversation before she has it at one point with that bloke? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the beginning and end of a relationship in her head yeah. before she's even spoken <laughs> to him. Yeah. Uh, so and and that this is what kind of impresses the the Zygon version of her so much is is how clever she is and everything. Uh, so yeah, seeing her kind of turned against humanity, and she's actually more clever or more inventive than the Cybermen in terms of because uh, they're saying how oh, we can upgrade and convert the, the human race and so long and she says I can do this in minutes yep. <laughs> um, which 
And it has to be said, the cyber leader is slightly irritated by this, isn't he? Especially yeah. towards the end. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's linked into the cyber mainframe. So it's given her access to all this extra information and technology, but it's slowly overwhelming her because she's only got a human brain as well. Um, and the cyber leader keeps saying, well, we'll just convert you. But she's saying, no, I can help you better by staying as myself because I know about the human race and all the rest of it. So they have uh, and those are nice scenes there because you know it's Nick Briggs as well that's doing the, the voice of the cyber leader uh, alongside. Now, do you think she was doing that just to so she wouldn't get completely converted? Or do you think she was just genuinely saying, I can help you better as me? I, I thought she was genuinely won over to the cyber cause and she that's how she thought she could help them. The same dedication she gave to Unit she was giving to the Cybermen, yeah? Yeah, I didn't get the impression that she was in any way resisting... No, nor me. And, and to be honest, I generally thought that would be the way it would go. But no, yeah. she, was, she was definitely uh, committed, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She talks about the cyber ideal, doesn't she? That, uh, that she's got to keep going for the cyber ideal. There's a really nice speech that, that Kate Stewart gives in this one, or a conversation she has with Josh about the origins of the Cybermen when she talks about how they come about because of fear. So it's fear of, you know, bodies breaking down and, and things like that, or it's fear of being invaded. So she talks about all the different origins of them that they know about. And they say that the origin is, is always fear. That's why they, they remove emotions and they replace themselves with everlasting bodies and that kind of thing. Uh, so I thought that was, uh, that was a really nice piece of writing. We've already discussed an alternative cyber creation story as well in that master box set as well, which is yeah. I still think he's one of the big finishes best. Uh, it was brilliant, ever wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, this was the uh, yeah the war master box set. Just survive uh, that was for survival, wasn't it? Because uh, yeah, they they were a planet that had been infected by the time war, and everybody was dying basically. Wasn't it? Yeah, so the master's companion uh, in that one inadvertently turns the the survivors into cybermen to try and save them. With disastrous results. But quite helpful for the time war. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it helped the master. So meanwhile, lots of um, soldiers are being killed. Uh, it's quite a high casualty uh, rate on this one, isn't there? So, yeah. Uh, Kate's going to have to do a lot of letter writing at the end of this story. And, and they've released the cyber spiders to yeah. convert people, which I thought was a great idea. This is a really nice idea. That these cyber spiders that go around, they grab people and pull them into their bellies, convert them, uh, and then... Release them as cyber. yeah. That's it's uh, it's another a cool TV idea. budget busting idea which yeah. works fine. <laughs> <don't know>, yeah. <laughs> but it's a wonderfully creepy idea because spiders automatically make you Ugh. anyway, don't they? So definitely, yeah. Especially big metal ones that want to turn you into things. Yeah, I suppose a bit of the uh, it was always the idea of like spider Daleks, wasn't there? Which um, never sort of came to pass. But Hooray. <laughs> so yeah, the Cybermen got there first this time. So yeah, and it's a get kind of a game of cat and mouse. You've got. Osgood, Shindy and the cyber leader trying to take over this fort but it's been sealed off from the outside world and Osgood is, uh, is trying to find a way to get a signal out because everybody's got a mobile phone she can push an app out there which will <laughs> written cyber app, exclamation yeah, mark. send out an upgrade and it will convert everybody at least partially into, into cybermen or at least mentally convert them because later they're sort of like they're, they're building their own, their own factories to get themselves to, to convert themselves, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so the uh, Kate and, and Josh hide themselves in the armory, which is shielded so that they can't be can't be found. And they, they get some cool weapons. There's an emotion gun, isn't there, and yep. things like that. And they realise that they can nobble these spider these cybermen with 
kind of a uh, uh, putting a wire around them like a hoopla, and it, it disrupts. Presumably, it cuts off their uh, power supply that they're uh, they're getting transmitted to them. <laughs> but uh, Kate, she's really showing her metal in this one, isn't she? Because uh, Tasky said on television, she's always playing. She can't be that competent because the doctor has to be. Yeah. So here, she genuinely gets to lead, and she's quite desperate at one point. And she, I um, mean, she's quite prepared to destroy the entire fort to contain the situation, isn't she? Yeah. To save the world, to destroy themselves. Yeah, she activates a nuclear weapon. As you do. Which will destroy, yeah, all the unit personnel, plus the Cybermen, uh, and end the threat to the Earth. When, a bit of the coastline as well, presumably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then she hears the, the familiar sound of a TARDIS materialising. She does. And she sort of says, you're too late this time, Doctor. But then it's not a blue police box that appears. She goes, that's not the Doctor's TARDIS. And out of it steps the War Master. I know, and that's a great bit, isn't it? It really yeah. is good, yeah. Fantastic. He just casually comes in, disarms the nuclear weapon, and says, I just need some bits of this to repair my TARDIS because I just had a really bumpy journey because he's been trapped in another dimension. Yeah. And the Cybermen opening the, the breach through has allowed him to escape, but it's, it's took its toll on his TARDIS. So I wasn't sure when I first listened to it, until I got to the very end, whether this was an alternative master, is the same way these were alternative Cybermen, yeah. or whether it was the actual war master. And at the end, you, get, you sort of realise it's the actual master, because he's going back yeah. to the time war, isn't he? But for a long time, I wasn't sure whether this was an alternative master or not. Yeah, because Kate says, what were you doing in the other universe? And he said, I was sort of exploring... Opportunities, so you don't know whether he was looking for weapons for the time war. It was just way out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he was looking for somewhere to hide and wait out the war, or yeah, what exactly was he uh, was he doing? We don't know. I think it's definitely the master from before the box set, though, isn't it? Because he's uh, yeah, he's definitely been um, battle weary by the time we get to that, isn't he? Yeah, this possibly kind of early days of the time war. Just resurrected, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I suppose you could get a box set with him and Paul McGann, but then why wouldn't the Doctor recognise him in Utopia? That's the problem with that, isn't it? Oh, Paul McGann, he's always got amnesia. He'll probably just get a bang <laughs> on the head. He's, like, forgotten everything at least 15 times. Another one, another occasion's yeah. not going to hurt. Yeah. Because they keep sort of writing around that with him meeting River Song, don't they? Oh, the, the Doom, uh, yes. It's getting quite convoluted now. <laughs> in the Doom Coalition uh, yeah. box set, yeah. Uh, have you heard that trailer for the, the River Song one with Tom Baker? Not yet, no. I've actually got so, I've got the um, the download ready to listen to and, and I've just sent the my discs out. I got the email today, but no, I haven't heard that yet. There's, there's a trailer where uh, well, if you haven't heard it, I won't say it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a trailer. Be right, yeah. Tom Baker's got quite a nice line in it where um, they say he's meeting River Song. River Song says, "Oh, you know, you don't know who I am," and he goes, "Yes, I do. You're River Song. You're my wife." Uh, and then the trailer ends, and you no. think, "Oh, how does that come about?" Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that uh, that sounds like an interesting box set. But Tom was perplexing that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he even watches it, does he, the new series? No. Does he watch it at all, I mean, even when he was in it? No. Especially when he wanted to surprise people in the houses. He had to go, hello, can we watch this? Yeah, yeah, go and knock on the door and say, yeah, do you watch Doctor Who? So, again, this is another classic trope, and we've got Unit and the Master, so for... In terms of nostalgia, it can't be better, really. We've got the Master and Cyberman, which are two sort of things that... Uh, inextricably linked with the unit, isn't it? Yeah, so he just wants to take these components, doesn't he, and leave, but the Cybermen sort of burst in at that point and stop him from doing that. So he, he says um, he says to Kate, go on and I accept the job. 
She says, what job? He says, the job you're about to offer me, it seems like you're missing a scientific advisor. <laughs> um, do you think this nice. was written for the war master? Or do you think this was written for a master and then Jacoby was available? Because he's a lot nastier in this, isn't he, than he was in the box set. He was, yeah. like, he was nasty in the box set, but he was under a veneer of bonhomie. Whereas this one, he's a lot... Uh, he's in, he's, he, I've written a, um, nasty in enjoying the slaughter. He's a lot more... He's, he's crueler in this, and he enjoys being crueler in this. He doesn't pretend to be quite so nice, I don't think. Yeah, I think the situations he found himself in in the War Master box set, he had to win people over and, and get them to do what he wanted. Whereas here, does, he doesn't really need to pretend, does he? So you see his true, his true nature comes out more. That makes sense, yeah. Um, but, the, I mean, they're going to guess he's the master, I suppose, because mm. he's the only other Time Lord, I suppose, that uh, Unit would have on their files. And he makes a couple of allusions to her father, doesn't he? So yeah. So it's obviously their same master. Yeah. yeah, and that's nice, I think, that, uh, that yeah, he remembers... Uh, he talks about when he was imprisoned by Unit, and he said, oh, it was lovely, you know. It was like a holiday for him, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> I shot three square meals yeah. and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Uh, yeah, he talks about it fondly, doesn't he? And, and fondly about the Brigadier as well, even though they were enemies. I mean, there's a point where Kate has to beg him for help, basically, isn't he? And uh, he, he enjoys that moment um, a lot. Yeah, um, but I, th- I think the, the thing about the Master working with you, and it, it reminded me of the Clause of Axos, which is a story I, I love anyway, mm. because I think the great thing about that one is it's not really the Master's plan, is it? It's the Axons who who captured the Master. And he's just around. He's while just trying to get out of it, basically, isn't he? Yeah, and he, he ends up working with Unit and helping them, and you kind of get this glimpse of what it would have been like if it was the Master who was exiled and ended up working with Unit. Uh, so That's a story that seems to have gone out of favour over the years, and I don't know why, because it's, it's very entertaining, and un- unlike a lot of poetry stories, it's not too long either. It's a, it's a four-parter, yeah, isn't it? It's a good fun so, story, that yeah. story, but people seem to frown on it these days, and I don't know why. Do they? I, I, I really like it, yeah. You can't have a better monster than the big wiggly tentacle thing, can you? No, that's it. It's one of the most that's classic who. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you've got Bill Filer, the cool uh, CIA <laughs> yeah, agent. And Mr. Chin lives up to his name by not having one. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a proper 70s uh, civil servant, isn't he, that, that turns up and tries to rack everything. Anyway. <laughs> Which you haven't, haven't really had in, the, in these uh, modern unit box sets, have we? You don't get yeah. as much government interference as used to happen in the, the second, Brigadier's the, day. Yeah, the second box set, it was sort of like more corporate and political thing, but even then it wasn't like a big part of it. Yeah. But uh, no, it was definitely, uh, I think it was like an alien deal which had gone a bit sideways, but uh, mm. yeah, but it's not a big deal. To be honest, it's possibly been done today, <laughs> hasn't it? So, you know, the kind of people who go to buy this product kind of know that story by now. Yeah, so. definitely, definitely. Why have I written Dreadnought Attack? Drawn attack. Mm. Can't remember. Doesn't matter. Because <laughs> they've got to get out of off the fort, basically, haven't they? they yeah, yeah. So they escape the master in tow in, in a helicopter uh, because it's, it's it's been breached, hasn't it? I think they uh, the, the a signal's got out as well, so people are being converted on the planet. Yeah. Uh, digitally, if not uh, physically. Yeah. So they, they 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 go to the auctioneers. Headquarters, don't they? Which, which is really right next door to Unit, which yeah. is to much of their irritation. They suddenly realise they've had the auctioneers on their uh, like next door all this time, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, so this uh, this is can we go into the the final story, which is Master of Worlds, mm-hmm. uh, which is Matt Fitton again. So he wrote the first and fourth ones, uh, with Guy Adams writing the middle two. 
So uh, having been given this great setup and, and cliffhanger of the master arriving, Matt Fitton then kind of uh, picks up the baton and runs with it. So yeah, you say the the world is being turned into Cybermen. The master is uh, their ally, but untrustworthy at best. Enjoying himself enormously, basically, isn't he? You can yeah. kind of tell. There's a great line he gets when uh, I think he, he tries to hypnotise Sam, doesn't he? Um, and Sam says, don't be trying all that Darren Brown stuff on me. <laughs> and, Darren Brown? and he goes, who is this Darren Brown? <laughs> Perhaps we should meet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which would be a great box set. I'd, uh, I'd definitely buy that. Um, I'm a huge Darren Brown fan. Uh, I think he's excellent. The, uh, I've been to see like, his last five shows on tour, read all his books. Have uh, you? Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, he often comes to Carlisle as well. I've seen the adverts, tour, yeah. yeah. He's brilliant, brilliant showman, really funny, and the stuff he does is, is amazing. I'm always a bit wary of hypnotists. <laughs> yeah. You never he, quite know what you're going to come away with. There's a couple of times when, when I've been at them and he's tried to, he's done a thing where he tries to hypnotise the audience, um, and he's, but we've been not that near the front, um, but people people do go under, he sort of, he plays a noise and he talks and that kind of thing, and you you stand and then he sort of does things where you know you, you can't unclench your fist or, and, and then people that can't do that they're the ones that, that, have, that have gone under mm. so he'll, he'll get them from he rule the world yeah yeah so he uses his powers for good which is I used to find his TV programs fascinating yeah, it was a... yeah yeah when he used to do the, uh, the TV specials and stuff I think he's one there was a chap who was playing a video game like a zombie video game yes put him under they put him in this place where actually they had actors dressed as zombies I remember thinking that would kill me. Yeah. <laughs> then he's sort of like putting just back, and he's, this just guy just thought it was like the best game ever, didn't he? It was yeah. Like really immersive. <laughs> yeah, it was great that one. Uh, and some of the more recent ones have been about helping people with the self confidence, put them in situations that'll help them with their confidence and that kind of thing. I didn't actually recognise him last time. He's changed so much. He's like he shaved his head or something and stuff like that. It's uh, yeah. so different now. Um, I think he's he's, do, he's doing Netflix now. I think I think maybe his next special is going to be on there. Uh, one of the recent ones was it called The Push or something like that, uh, and they were engineering a situation where somebody would push another person off a roof. So it was all set up so it was a stunt and there was a net or whatever to catch them and it was a stunt person. And I think they tried it with four people and three of them were were brought to that situation where just through gradually introducing them to situations where they had to be a little bit kind of immoral or amoral but, and at the end of the evening. It's called the, the push or the jump or something like that. And they did actually push people off a roof. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, uh, it's probably on Netflix now. I think a lot of his stuff's on there. It'd be uh, definitely worth looking out. Yeah. So from the old experiment where they used to have people dressed in white lab coats and they used to have actors and these people who were there to take part in the scientific study were basically told if you press this button it'll give this person a shock. Yeah. And because these people were in dressing white coats with clipboards and stuff like that, they, they kept pressing this button even though one of the actors like, gave a really good impression of somebody starting a heart attack. They yeah. still kept pressing the <laughs> button because somebody in authority was telling them to do it. So it's probably all in there somewhere. I've heard of that, yeah. What's it, it's the name for it, isn't it? Oh, it's a few it's years called. ago now, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. There was, um, I don't know if you watched the, the recent series Sasha Baron Cohen did. Yeah. Uh, it's called Who is America? Um, where I thought it might be too depressing to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 worrying. Yeah, it, that's the word. <laughs> he uh, the, one of the characters he plays is uh, he, he got these um, these kind of gentlemen in America who are Trump supporters um, and told them this story about um, I think it was something crazy like 
that these people were smuggling in nappies that when you put them on babies, they would turn them transgender or something like that. So <laughs> they, they went to this, uh, this march. It was like an anti-Trump march type of thing. And um, they, he got them to go around and put little uh, circuits on, little kind of circuit boards or something on people. And then he got an iPad and he said, right, press this button and this will give them a massive electric shock and kill them. And this guy was just happily oh pressing these buttons in the belief that he was killing these people because they were liberals. And it was, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it was funny, but it was very, very worrying Scary as well. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And there was no guilt afterwards when they were talking about the people they'd met and they were sort of saying, oh, did we kill him? I can't remember yet. So. so coming back to this then, people building their own cyber conversion chains is probably not that far off. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably quite happy to do it if they were told to do it here. Yeah. Probably wouldn't even need the app, but they'd probably just happily <laughs> do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, we've got... They get to sort of like uh, the auctioneers' troops are there, aren't they? So they sort of like, they have a bit of a standoff. Yeah. So the master comes up with a very uh, original ploy, turning the, turning the uh, troops into Cybermen. Then Josh has got to turn... A so weapon that can actually kill Cybermen. So. They test, they test yeah. out the weapon, yeah. So they can't kill people, but they can kill Cybermen, and so they... Which is a, a creative bit of thing, so even... Uh, it's a great amoral master yeah, thing to do, isn't it? We need to test this weapon. These and people it puts are uh, the unique people in quite an odd situation as well, because even though they were grateful to be out of the situation, they couldn't yeah. really control <laughs> what they did. So I thought that was very clever. I like that a lot. Yeah. And the master knew what he was doing as well. And, and, then and Derek Jacobi is great, isn't he? I mean, he really, these scenes absolutely sparkle with him. You could listen to him for hours. But yeah. The scenes with him and Kate are very good. I yeah. think she raises her game a bit as well because she's working with him. So it's, uh, no, it's, uh, it's that, the, the fourth episode is the highlight of the Absolutely. Set, it? it's, it's great. Yeah. You've got every element working together perfectly because you've got Nick Brees doing the, the cyber leader voice. Osgood's been turned into Cyberman. The master's working with, with Kate and the troops and things like that. It's a good box there, but the last episode is stunningly funny. It's uh, yeah. really, really enjoyable. Yeah, he yeah, definitely wanted more of the master, but uh, they, I suppose leaving you wanting more is the best way of doing it, isn't it? Um, well, he's probably then, quite a busy fellow as well. They're probably quite lucky to get him as often as they do. Yeah, it's a nice on the on the behind the scenes, isn't it? He talks about uh, what playing the master means to him mm. as well. He, he said about when he first got the part for Utopia... Some of his friends he hadn't even realised were massive Doctor Who fans. That the the excitement when uh, when he told them they outed themselves basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's good. And then and every, all the rest of the cast talking about working with Sir, Sir Derek Jacobi. They they say not only he's a fantastic actor, but just a really nice bloke, and he's got amazing stories. And it's a tribute to Big Finish as well. The cast that they can get now. I mean, it's not that long ago since they had John Hurt and people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Um, and um, we've got a, a master team up coming soon, haven't we? With Derek Jacobi, Eric Roberts, Michelle Gomez. I think they're all in separate stories, but the glorious has all got a, a oh, scene where they're all together, wouldn't it? But, really? Uh, I didn't realise it was separate stories. Well, maybe, I may be wrong, that's the impression I got. Because usually I the, uh, the uh, River Song box sets tend to be four stories, don't they? It might be right. different this time, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, perhaps, yeah, perhaps they will sort of and maybe. People are ludicrously excited they've got Eric Roberts, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> They're absolutely thrilled about this. Yeah. But he's over here, he's, he's in one of these reality things, isn't he, at the moment? I have um, no idea, I don't talk stuff like that. But, uh, I don't, but I saw a headline about it, I think, and that made me think, oh, he's in the UK, that's probably why Big Finish have got him. Hmm? Um, it's, it's Big Brother or something along those lines, I think. Well, they do have contacts so. in um, 
uh, in America because they have uh, when they record Dark Shadows, a lot of the actors over there record their bits. Um, the American actors record their bits over there, and then it's um, uh, directed from over here. Yeah. That's, so they've obviously got a way of doing that. But uh, if he's over here anyway, it'd be more it'd be more fun for them. Yeah. Especially you have to wait for the extras from that one to find out. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of audio, I suppose, isn't it? It can uh, it can record anywhere. Yeah. Especially. Um, ex-wives can record with their ex-husbands without yeah. having to be in the same building, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about it. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's Tom and Lala, yeah. Because yeah. they released a uh, publicity photo, didn't they? Um, uh, and a lot of people said... We went a great deal of, uh, to point out all the photoshopping. Of what yeah. <laughs> what a pity. There's no magic left in life. Is there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so th- this is wrapped up when the Cybermen actually get the master and turn him like Osgood uh, into a sort of a cyber slave, but he's he's too good, isn't he? Well, not too good, but he's too strong for them. He's he manages to corrupt the power supply. The cy- yeah, the cyber energy gets poisoned, doesn't it? Sometimes? Yeah, so it stops. Uh, well, it really is because the energy is coming through from all different universes, uh, including the ones where they were defeated. So he manages to uh, to knock out all the Cybermen, uh, and then he reveals that they never managed to turn him at all. That uh, he couldn't be turned because he's a Time Lord. Which is a nice, a nice. Uh, Perhaps reverse, not the strongest conclusion, but uh, it, I think the Cybermen in this story was so strong it was it was going to be tricky to defeat them, wasn't it? So it was yeah, the best they could do. <laughs> but then it's left with um, I think as he there's still a lot of people who've been converted, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, so Kate says, "Well, can you do anything about them?" And he said, "Well, once I'm back in my TARDIS with the parts I need, I can do it from space or something like that." Mm-hmm. And you don't really, I think, having listened to the Warmaster box set. There's some doubt as to whether he'll do that because this is like one of the stories where one of the characters ended up in his TARDIS and he said about taking her home or something, but he ends up just vaporising her because he can't be bothered taking her back. So you wonder if, having taken off, he, is, he would bother to do that. Uh, but he does this time. And it's very much stated he's going back to the Time War, isn't it? It's, uh, it's back to the front Yeah, it's not ambiguous uh, anymore because I've... Prior to that, I'd written quite a bit thinking, oh, is this an alternative master, something like that, and I've literally crossed it all out, so there was obviously a line. Master turns to the Time War, written and crossed all this stuff out, so obviously it is the War Master going back to the Time War. Yeah, and the great thing as well, I thought, was, because he sort of susses out Osgood's plan, doesn't he, about using the satellites mm. to convert everybody, and he says something like, that's what I would do, which t- ties into the sound of drums, doesn't it, where the, the Master uses the satellites to the hypnotic signal that makes everybody vote for him, for him to become the Prime Minister, remember <laughs> that, uh, or makes everybody obey him and believe him, uh, which I thought was a nice a nice tie into that, that this this was his inspiration, was Osgood's plan. That, Malcolm uh, gets a mention from uh, that period as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Do you think they'll ever get Lee Evans? I'd love it if they got him in to do even an episode. Yeah, probably, because yeah. they're, they're quite uh, good at getting these folks, aren't they? Well, yeah, I guess if you can get John Hurt and Derek Jacobi... And Eric Roberts, why wouldn't you be able to get Lee Evans? Yeah, because he's retired from stand-up comedy now. Lee Evans as well. I remember you telling me that. Yes, I didn't realise that. No, but uh, I suppose his act was very physical, isn't it? So I'm not at all surprised. Yeah, he's <laughs> one of those people who's quite a bit older than he looked as well. I think. Um, so yeah, I guess he's, he just wants to spend time with his family. But as as everybody always talks about on the behind-the-scenes things for these, you don't actually need to learn the script, uh, and you can do an episode in a day or two days. So yeah, it'd be great if we could get him. Get him in because he was good together. That'd be quite fun as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Two geniuses together. Because uh, he never got any screen time with them because it's uh, he's from before K 
Kate and Osgood were introduced, didn't they? But he's been mentioned in Day of Times. He's obviously about still. So. Yeah, they mention him in Day of the Doctor, don't they? Because uh, Kate says, get Malcolm to change the batteries in the... Oh, the Ravens, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Osgood has, Osgood has the uh, prophetic line, I've met the master and survived. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a nice, uh, clever bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, there, so. very dark that, isn't mm. it? Given the, uh, given the next time. It explains that line as well in... In that two-parter, when she susses out who Missy is, she says to the Doctor, oh, I thought it might be a, a female incarnation of your old enemy, the Master. Uh, it's nice that it's now because she's met another incarnation of the Master. So, yeah, it all ties up very nicely. Mm. Very good. So, I thought it was a very strong box set. I really enjoyed this. And it was actually saying in the extras, it was like the one they probably had the most fun doing, and it's one they all actually meant, uh, got to meet up on as well. Was prior to that, they all had to record their bits separately because they were all yeah. so busy. But we all actually all got to see each other this time, which is quite nice. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and they all talk about how all the lunches and stuff, don't they, and how great it is working at uh, at Good Finish. It looks like that they're done for the TV series as well. So uh, if they're cutting all tides with the uh, previous um, seasons, then yeah, their adventures are going to be purely box set now, aren't they? That's it. That's it. You don't know how long that'll last. Maybe they maybe they'll sort of creep back in some, some other elements in the future. But well, it seems like D. Davis, he said there was going to be like uh, no nods to the past and then like have the Daleks in one series and the very next, um, yeah. like three stories and had Sarah Jane series. Yeah. <laughs> so, the temptation's yeah, always there, isn't it, I suppose? That's it. I can understand them, though, wanting to have a back to square one again because uh, they don't want to, they need new audiences not to alienate uh, people with too much continuity, don't they? So. Yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth on that a bit. I think... Uh, I don't know how much it does alienate people. Uh, I think people just skim past it. I watch a lot of American TV and there's loads of cultural references that I don't get. But it oh, true enough, uh, yeah. It doesn't sort of throw me out of it or anything. You see uh, you see a lot of people kind of complain on Twitter and saying, oh, it's all references. Stephen Moffat, it's all references. I can't see the plot for the references. Yeah, but I'm a fan. I love references, so it was always fine for me. Yeah, yeah and I don't think it gets in the way if you just see no. something in the background or something. I'm not like a that, Star Trek fan, but if I catch an episode and they're talking about the bingy bongy boos from another story. It doesn't put me off. No, I think it just, uh, it just goes over your head, doesn't it? Mm. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me today to discuss this. I've enjoyed it. Take two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> series 11 just around the corner. So next time we speak, we'll be doing a commentary on a Series 11 episode. I know. Very exciting. Seems so far in the future. It's hard to believe it's actually now. Yeah. I think, uh, I think at Warp as well, um, a few weeks ago, there was a, a real palpable sense of anticipation wasn't there there was a lot of 12th Doctor costumes and uh, there was tops and things like that there was Doctor costumes yeah uh, most worn by men <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes which was pleasing so uh, yeah but, but it was uh, yeah but, uh, I'm sporting my um, Jodie Whittaker badge which uh, I was very kindly given yeah these uh, they're, they're like the they're based on the 70s Sugar Smacks yeah, used to be perfect, aren't they? Yeah, which um, beautifully made by a guy called Paul Burley, who yes. we met at Warp. He was very nice, yes. Uh, yeah, very kind of giving these out. Check out his website, which is badgewolf.com. <laughs> is which it? Is, oh, yeah. how brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hadn't realised that. How brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic name. Uh, the website, I believe, is, uh, if not already up and running, it will be soon with cool Doctor Who stuff, uh, stickers and badges and whatnot, so definitely check that out. And a well, thoroughly nice... Very nice uh, people we met there, yes. Yeah, was, thoroughly was, nice bloke. On Twitter, he is at Burger He Wrote. Uh, so I'll put links to these in the show notes as well. Do you remember things like that? <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks again. Join me next week for a commentary on The Woman Who Fell to Earth. <gasps> Series 11, Episode 1. Yay. Hopefully, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>